This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. It's easy to grin when your ship comes in and you've got the stock market beat. But the man worthwhile is the man who can smile when his shorts aren't too tight in the seat. Hello, welcome in to the fifth movie in the golf movie fivesome of At The Turn. The immortal Caddyshack. Nick, celebrating its 40th anniversary this July. Are you as excited as I am? No, I'm not, Joe. <laughs> I am not as excited as you are. Um this movie's 40 years old, Joe. It's just hard for something that's 40 years old to be as good as things today. It's just hard. The standards have raised quite a bit in the last four decades. Coming out hot. So you are already hey, proclaiming that this movie is not all it's cracked up to be Joe, right away. Um. We'll get into it a little bit more later. I actually should have mentioned to you this to you before we started recording, but um, I wanted to lead off our podcast by pumping up the exciting event we've got on the burner for next Sunday. Do we have we enough got? details to share with the fans? Well, you start sharing them, and I'll try to fill in the <laughs> blanks if I have them. Okay. At the Turn is hosting Golf Trivia Night, Let's hosted go. by At the Turn, next Sunday. So everybody's cooped up. Everybody's turning to Zoom for all of their social events, and I participated in a Zoom trivia evening, and it was kind of fun. It was something to do, pass the time, and it got me thinking a little bit. Why don't we host a trivia night for anybody who wants to take part in some golf trivia? So, Joe, we're going to do it next Sunday. We haven't landed on time, but we've got a plethora of topics. We're going to narrow it down to three or four or five topics. Um, we're going to tweet out the details, but, but just, uh, be ready for some at the turn trivia, golf trivia hosted by at the turn. Okay. So that we're recording this the evening of Sunday, April 12th. We're saying it's going to occur on Sunday, April 19th. If mm -hmm. one of our patrons is listening between those two times, how would you suggest they get in touch with us to participate in the inaugural at the turn trivia? Best bet's going to be Twitter. So here's what's going to happen. Sometime in the next 24 hours, uh, we're going to hammer out these details. One of us, probably me, will create a Zoom event with a link, and I'm just going to put the link on Twitter. And uh, seriously, though, it'll be a good time. Invite your friends. Do it with whoever you're quarantining with. It's going to be 40 minutes because we're not paying for a freaking Zoom subscription. So it's not going to take up that much of your life. Uh, email it to your friends, test out your golf trivia knowledge. Uh, we'll put the categories out in the link in the, in the specific time, but it's going to be fun. I can't wait. It's going to be a great time. Please participate in that. I'm glad you got that out of the way early, Nick, because let's spend the next 45 plus minutes because we have no time limit on this discussing Caddyshack, 
why I think it's brilliant, and why you think it is an overrated piece of garbage. Let's start. I'm just going to preface my the 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 rest of this podcast by saying I enjoy this movie. It is a great movie. I respect the hell out of it. I I don't have any ill will towards it. I'm just feeling like there are some things that needed to be highlight highlighted about this movie that nobody else is brave enough to say. I think that's great. How many times would you say you have seen this movie, Ballpark? Two or three. Oh, my God. What? Okay. Well, I think that speaks volumes, folks. I'm going to let you sit with that for a second while I provide some information about this film. As I mentioned, this is the 40-year anniversary. It was released in 1980. Budget of $6 million, presumably $5 million of that on cocaine. It made $40 million. <laughs> this film was directed by Harold Ramis. His first movie, if you're not familiar with him, by name, you definitely are. By face, he's Egon from Ghostbusters. He also directed the first Vacation movie, directed Groundhog Day, directed Multiplicity, and analyzed this, the movie with Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. So a very strong legacy of comedies basically in that 20-year span. Okay. So, Nick, I had many ways I wanted to go about this. And I thought perhaps I was just going to go chronologically talking about the scenes throughout the course of the movie. But perhaps the best way to talk about this, at least from my perspective, who do you think is the most memorable character from this movie? And that's a bit of a rhetorical question because I kind of have highlights of all the best quotes from all of the big players in this movie. And I figured we would kind of run through some of these and we would determine who was the most quotable, if not best character from this film. Well, the question, the first question you asked was most memorable. Um, and I think, I think it's Al Chervik. It's, it's Rodney Dangerfield's character. Just because he's so flamboyant, he's so out there, he's so obnoxious um, that he's the most memorable. Now, he's not my favorite character, but he is the most memorable character. One of the things that I think this movie nailed, um, and... and Again, I respect the hell out of it. They nailed this. Probably is a factor in why I don't love it as much as I thought that I would or that I remembered that I did. Is that just I don't really like very many people in this movie. Like I, I feel like I hate almost all the characters, but it's very true probably to the 1980s country club society that they have going on here. So it, it's very true. They nailed it. They still have very strong personalities, but at the beginning, I'm like, oh, Roddy Dangerfield's character. I'm going to love him. He's he's the antagonist. Like, he he's who you're going to be rooting for. But then I'm just like, no, this guy's a douchebag. Like, I don't like him either. So I just felt like I hated everybody. So maybe we'll take it from that perspective. Who do you think is the most likable character in this movie? Well, it's Danny and Ty Webb, for sure. I mean, those two guys, I, I want to play around a golf with me, you, and those two guys. And, like, that would be the most fun like that would be what golf is all about those guys get it they're chill they're out there to have fun guys ty webb shooting casual 68s not really keeping score just out there playing some golf i mean yeah those guys are cool i love those boys i think the most likable character is carl spackler though bill murray oh, i've got he's got he's got nothing but nice things to say about anybody except the head's greenskeeper who he can barely <laughs> understand He's willing to go out with the pastor in the rainstorm to caddy for him. When Ty hits a golf ball through his window, which is, I don't know, the green shed and presumably where he lives as well. He's hanging out. We're smoking the Bob Marley joint. They got the cannonball with the big jug of wine. He's accommodating to everybody except the head greenskeeper and the gopher. I think Carl is the most likable character. Well, I have in my notes to say later on but i'll just say it now I, I felt like i really only found myself genuinely laughing when he was on the screen mm. i mean he's he's the best character I mean, he's just so out there and i really was laughing the hardest when like just all of his his whole shtick let me see if i've, I've got my notes here when um you just stole all my thunder when he's <laughs> teeing off on the flower bed and he's like announcing himself yeah and he's like but he's good. 495 yards here. Um, I think he's going to go with the five iron. Oh, oh, oh there he goes. <laughs> well, I think this movie is great because there's so many lines that you may not necessarily attribute to this movie or things that are just in everyday vernacular or even stuff that's more subtle. 
that is in this movie. So I'm just going to rip through these quotes by character, okay? So first of all, Chevy Chase, Ty Webb. The opening scene where he calls Danny, Timmy, and Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Be the ball is fantastic when he says that. When it cuts to the scene and he's dropping all the balls and he's hitting all the balls and doing his na 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 He's doing all that. <laughs> Where he says a donut with no holes is a Danish. I've said that to like a hundred people. That is so great. When he's hooking up with Lacey Underhall, where he's like, I feel like a hundred dollars. Fabulous line. Where he's hanging out with Carl in the caddy shed. We got a pool and a pond. You should use the pond. And then at the very end. <laughs> that, that was a good one. And the climactic scene where he just walks up to Danny and says, don't worry. If you miss it, we lose. <laughs> it just walks away. <laughs> now, Bill Murray, Carl Spackler. I will say, this is not dated great, but it's definitely a thing that I do with one of my good golf buddies. When he's watching the old women, <laughs> he's oh watching the golf balls. Oh my God. <laughs> And he's just twisting the hole into the ground, and he says, bark like a dog. I do that with my buddies after a good tee shot, (laughs) for sure. The whole, I have it all written out. I'm not going to do it. But where he does the whole monologue about the Dalai Lama, and he's got the pitchfork at the young caddy's neck, and he just goes into the whole thing, and he goes, hey, Lama, how about a little something for, you know, the effort? (laughs) He says, oh, no, there won't be any money, but when you die on your deathbed, you will receive total consciousness. And this line, which is immortal, but I don't think a lot of people attribute it to Caddyshack, where he just says, so I got that going for me, which is nice. Yeah. It's just such a throwaway thing, but it's so immortal. When I heard that, I'm like, wow, is, is that where, is everybody quoting Caddyshack all the time, or is it just part of society? Like, where does the line end? Like, between it's just how everybody talks, or I'm quoting Caddyshack. No, you're definitely quoting Caddyshack. So you mentioned the Masters where he's, he's got the rake and he's whipping the top of all these flowers off. He's a, and, and he does all that. But the it's in the hole, that is also a thing that is, I think, prol- proliferated in society. And we don't attribute it to Caddyshack. But that was a Bill Murray thing. It's in the hole. Like, <laughs> that is from this movie. It's unbelievable. And just the whole scene with him and the bishop playing golf. I mean, there's, I don't think the heavy stuff is going to come down for a little <laughs> bit yet. All fabulous. Well, well, what is he doing caddying in that scene? No, I, I, I have all of his stuff, all those things you mentioned when he hits it into his apartment. First of all, his apartment, and uh, it's just like the shed in the, in the greens thing. And he's like, take a seat. And he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to sit on that. And he rips up the orange sheet, and it's just even grimy underneath. And he's like... Yeah, no, I'm all good. Good. Uh, Um, Yeah, so real quick, I'm just going to go through Judge Smales and Roddy Dangerfield. So going into this, I'm a Judge Smales head. I thought he was the best character, the funniest character. I think Ted Knight is amazing in this movie. So just real quick, (laughs) Rodney Dangerfield has already confronted him about the uh, buy a hat like that, you should get a free bowl of soup. And then he (laughs) meets him out front, and he's like, 100 bucks, you slice it in the woods. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. And then he slices it right into the woods. When Spalding is like, I want a hot dog. I want a milkshake. I want a hamburger. And Smales just grabs him and says, you'll get nothing and like it. (laughs) Danny wins the caddy tournament. And after you're done, why don't you drop by the yacht club? Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Fabulous. The christening poem, which I recited at the front. And then <laughs> the seemingly deciding putt, not the deciding putt, but an important putt, where it's calls for the old Billy Baru. <laughs> it's just oh, $40,000. All that is incredible. So real quick, Roddy Dangerfield, I got to get through this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when he first arrives, park my car, grab the clubs, and put on some weight as he hands the kid 20 bucks. <laughs> Buy a hat like this, you get a free bowl of soup. When he's out on the golf course, he's arguing with Denunzio. He's like, Denunzio's like, so what? And Dangerfield's like, so what? So let's dance. And he rips <laughs> on this music, and they start dancing out there. Then, at the end of that round, thousand bucks, you miss that putt. And then, of course, he misses. The three-footer. Yeah, the three-footer. When they're in the party, 
he's like basically holding court over his whole table, and then he rips a huge fart. Everyone kind of is silent, and then just yells, "Somebody step on a duck!" <laughs> <laughs> Same party goes up to Smales's wife, says, "You must have been something before electricity," and then. <laughs> Basically, the greatest end to a movie line ever is when the golf match is over, the ball's gone into the hole, Dangerfield is out there in front of everybody, just yells, hey, everyone, we're all going to get laid. And everyone cheers. (laughs) (laughs) So I think going into the movie, I had Judge Smales as the most quotable character, but I think you're right. It's it's Rodney Dangerfield. All All those quotes... You just read it off, or they're all inc- incredible. In this whole movie, like I was, I was entertained. I was chuckling, like I said, but I was never really, like, genuinely, like really laughing, except for when it was Bill Murray's character. But I think the thing that I'm like, I guess I'm more critical about, and again, it's probably more of a 1980 thing. And I, I, it's a great movie. I, I do, I do really enjoy Caddyshack. But it was just, like, what was keeping me on the edge of my seat for this movie? Like the storyline, really, I thought was was kind of weak like there's no like major conflict like what do i really want danny to get this caddy scholarship that he doesn't really know if he wants he just doesn't want his dad up his ass or like this love story where like maybe this like side piece he's got is pregnant but maybe it's his maybe it's not but he's like interested in lacey underwood anyways and she you know like i i'm just really not sure why i'm caring about what's happening other than the next one-liner that's a great question. I'm going to drop you a question, and then I have to refill my beer. Okay? So I'm going to drop you a question, and then I want you to think about it. Are Maggie and Danny a couple? Now, before you answer that, Nick, and while I get my beer, can you please tell the patrons about what they need when golf is allowed to come back? Do you understand where I'm going with this? Yes, I do. Okay, great. Hey, will you, up? Will you give me another glass of wine? What did you say? I said, while you're up, can you get me another glass of wine? <laughs> yeah, great. I'll tell you what. You do this, I'll get my beer, and then I'll fill time, okay? Perfect. No, we're good. Yeah, all right. Guys, it's time for a rangefinder. I'm just going to be blunt. It's it's time to get a rangefinder. You go to the golf course. You're looking at your watch or, you know, your favorite sprinkler, sprinkler head. You're looking around for that. Um, cut it out. Really, it's it's time to get a rangefinder, and you can get one from Precision Pro and use promo code at the turn. You're going to get $20 off any rangefinder, or if you find one that you love and it's on sale, you're going to get $10 off the sale price. PrecisionPro.com, use promo code at the turn. It's just time to be able to hold up the little binocular, the monocular, and dial in your distance to the flag. Or if you want to know how far you hit your drive, Walk to your ball, turn around, shoot the tee box. Boom. That's how far your drive is. Wonder how far that bunker is. Shoot anything on the golf course. Get yardages to layups, hazards, pins, front of the green, back of the green, drive. You name it. Everybody's got them. There's a reason you go to the golf course and everybody has a rangefinder. Why do you think that is? Because it helps their game. So help your game, go to precisionpro.com, get any one of their rangefinders. They are my golf spy, gold medal winning, most wanted rangefinders. Use promo code at the turn. You're going to save $10 on a regular price rangefinder, $20 on a regular price, $10 on a sale price, precisionpro.com. Oh, Nick, thank you. I uh, I spilled a little bit, so I had to God, clean up. Yeah, Joe, man, that was rough, man. You got to be a little quicker next time. You can't let that beer set. Do you have anything to do? Do I need to fill? I, I have some stuff to no, fill I'm with good. if you want I'm to good. No, I'm good. I'm ready to answer your question. Okay, great. Go ahead. No, they're not a couple. They're not a couple. They're not a couple. Can I run through their chronology real quick? They're just, they're just fooling around. They kind of like each other, but it's a summer little fling. I mean, I would have thought... There are a couple, except for when she's like, I might be pregnant and it might not, it might be yours, it might not be yours. So you believe her. Oh, you think, well, you're taking it deep, Joe. I mean, you're that's really what getting into her psyche. 
that's what that's what Danny said. Danny says, oh, you're just saying that. So here's what we saw in the movie. Here is the evidence that we have that they are either a couple or not a couple. Okay. okay so I'm the first stop time, you real quick. Oh, please. <laughs> Go ahead. You really say to somebody who is your girlfriend or your boyfriend, like, hey, it might not be yours. How? Okay. Me as a 34-year-old man in a long-ass term relationship? No, I'm not going to say that. But okay. he is a 19-year-old piece of shit caddy who does a lot of drugs and lives at home? Eh, maybe. Maybe in 1980 I say that. Okay. Take us through this chronology. I like where you're going with this. Great. So the first time we see Maggie and Danny, they're talking in the caddy shack. Maggie is working at this fancy dinner. She convinces Danny to go. Why are they boyfriend and girlfriend? I don't know. She convinces him to go. Then, yeah, that's a move you probably don't do just for like some some random chick. Not a hookup. Not a, look. The Caddyshack is filled with people. Okay, they are going deep on this. So what? they do that. We see them behind the scenes at the dinner. They're talking about Lacey Underhall. She's she's the talk of Bushwood right now. She's the talk of Bushwood Country Club. Then she makes some sort of Irish perhaps 1980s reference about Tripoli that I don't frankly understand, but suffice it to say, she is a party girl. She has a good time. Okay. Danny wins the caddy tournament. How does he celebrate besides giving judge Smales a firm handshake, getting an invite to the yacht club? Well, he has sex with Maggie Donunzio being a big creep out the window, trying to look in. I guess this is how it worked in the late 70s, but that's what happens immediately after they go to the pool together because, God bless it, it's Caddy's Day. And from 1 to one fifteen, <laughs> caddies are allowed at the pool. That was and classic. Who does Danny show up with? He goes with Maggie, okay? Then Danny hooks up with Lacey Underhall. Next time we see Maggie and Danny together, Danny has had to sleep in the caddy shack. Because he hooked up with Lacey, was caught by Judge Smales. For some reason, he couldn't go back to his house with yeah, his I don't parents. get that. I don't understand that either. Like, but, it's not like you were living with Judge Smales. No, no. So he is in the caddy shack. Maggie comes in, says what a bad day she's having. Danny is about to confess to her that he had sex with Lacey Underhall. But before he can, Maggie drops on him that she is pregnant. And it might not be yours. Yeah, I mean, I think at that moment, when, when both people in a relationship are sleeping with other people, then you're just probably not really in a relationship. I just, I don't know how it works, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the next time we see these two together, because it is perhaps the biggest narrative hole that we have in the entirety of Caddyshack. The next time we see Maggie, she is in some sort of nightgown outfit, dancing at night on the flagsticks of Bushwood Country Club. She's out there by herself. She's dancing around. She is stoked because she is not pregnant. You think, well, that's weird for Maggie to be out there by herself. You know what's weirder? That Danny Noonan is out there watching her. <laughs> Danny Noonan is randomly out there, and all of a sudden he's like, Maggie, are you tripping out? Because he just discovered her. And then Maggie's like, oh, well, I'm not pregnant. And then they hug and embrace. What the fuck are those two doing out there by themselves at nighttime at Bushwick Country Club? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. So so you think they are a couple? I think within the construct of a 1980s relationship at the Caddyshack, that is a couple. Yeah, I mean, it's it's... Yeah. I'm still saying no. You're still saying no. That's fine. I'm saying no because, I mean, he had no reservations hooking up with Lacey, which is, and she had no reservations saying it might not be yours. Whether she's making it up or not, it wasn't like, it wasn't like it was some big conflict she had brewing. She's just like, you know, it might not be yours. So like, don't, don't get all excited, you know? Um, But then he's like, I'll marry you. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? I was probably never more confused watching this movie than during that scene. He's like quasi proposing to her. She's saying that she may or may not be pregnant. It may or not may or may not be his. He just came off of sleeping with somebody else, like with probably within 24 hours of this whole thing happening. So, so really, what is going on here? 
Well, I think Danny is proposing to her because he's Catholic. At the opening scene, we're in his house. Kids everywhere. Cross on the wall. We're thinking, okay, that could mean anything. But when he gets the loop with Judge Smales and the bishop, he goes over to the bishop and he's like, oh, I've always been interested in joining the cloth. And the bishop is like, are you Roman Catholic? And he says, yes. He's like, I'm sorry, you're not welcome. So lots of kids at the Noonan house, crucifix up in the kitchen, says he's Roman Catholic, 1980. I think that's just what you do in 1980 when you knock someone up. That's why, that's why you get the proposal, because Danny thinks it's the proper thing to do. He thinks Danny he has to. He thinks he has to. He's, he's obligated to do that. Yeah, you're probably right. So, Nick, I have a few other points I want to hit. Do you have, like, a series of reasons why this movie doesn't live up to the standard by which it is, which is the best golf movie? Or do you have one, like, overarching point? Yeah, the overarching point is just basically that I wasn't... Its its greatness is in the individual, like, the, the one-liners and just the kind of randomness. And the storyline really didn't hold my attention. Like, I, I didn't know what I was rooting for. Chaos, baby. That's what you're rooting for in this movie, and you're getting it in spades. Sure. There, there was, there's plenty of it, – it's classic, and I appreciate it for what it is. But, like, I, I remember last time I watched it, I was infatuated. I thought it was great, which was probably five to eight years ago. And uh, I put it on last night thinking, like, this is going to be awesome. And then I was just like, wait a second. You know what? I guess I was just in my movie review mode where I was like, I have to really be a strong critic of this film. Now that I'm a movie critic, Joe, I just took my role really seriously. And um, yeah, I, I, all the one-liners, all the quote, all that stuff's great. I love it. I, I'm, I'm not hating on it, but I'm just like, what's the storyline? Like if there was one thing they really focused on and made me care about it, great. But I just didn't really care about any outcome. I understand. I mean, really, the only thing that's at stake is in the last 10 minutes of the movie when they have the big match. Otherwise, yeah, like, do, you're just kind of a long Judge survive. Bale's money? That's what, I, that's what I'm supposed to care about, you know? Like, yeah. Speaking of the Smales, do the Smales literally run Bushwood Country Club, or do they think they do? Before you answer, a little bit of evidence on both sides. First time we see Judge Smales, he rolls story. in. He rolls in and he goes right up to the head's greenskeeper and he just says, basically, I'm going to fire you if you don't get rid of this Galdarn gopher. On Caddy Day at the pool, Mrs. Smales coming in white hot, telling everyone to shut it down. Hasn't been 15 minutes, but she wants all the caddies out of the pool. When the baby Ruth gets tossed in, I got to gotta pause, gotta pause you real please, quick. Please, please, please. I, I, I'm sorry to distract you. I know you're on a roll right now, but what's with like the synchronized swimming scene in the middle of the Extraordinary. session? They've been waiting all summer. They've been practicing Ugh. out on one of the golf holes. They've go, been waiting for this moment. It goes from chaos to synchronized swimming to chaos. Just like boom, boom, boom. I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Again, that sounds like drugs of the 1980s, Nick. This, yeah. this, this, this all checks out to me. You're right. So, after the baby Ruth gets thrown into the pool and they have to get everybody out because Spalding sees a duty and he has to leave. We see the next day, the Smaleses are there. Carl is down there cleaning it up. And Judge Smales is just like, I want the entire pool scrubbed, sterilized, and disinfected. And it's like, are the Smales actually in charge of Bushwood Country Club? I assume they're on the board in some way, shape, or form. But is like is Judge Smales in charge literally of Bushwood? What do you think his standing in the club is? I, I get the vibe he's like the club president, you know, where he doesn't work there. He's not employed by them, but he's he's like the president of you know, he's a member, he pays a lot of money, he runs, like you said, he's on the board, he's he's making decisions on behalf of the members. Um and you know, again, it's it's the country club you know, stereotype that they're portraying here is that even if you're not, even if you're not on the board, if you're just a regular member and you're a judge, you think you're this great influence and everyone should listen to you and you pay your money and you're going to get your way. I think that's what they're, 
what they're really epitomizing here. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. I think he has a high standing, but probably takes it a little farther than mm-hmm. he's supposed to. Like when he's talking to Ty in the club where they're sort of setting up the match, and he's like, your father and I built this club. Like, eh, did you? Or were you just old rich guys who have been members for a long time? Like, exactly. Smales is obviously a deceitful character. He cheats at golf quite a bit. Yes, yes, winner rules. And he kicks the ball a bunch. Like, come on. <laughs> come on, Judge Smales. That leads me to something I want to get to later. But that's where the Smales are. Um, a few other random thoughts. I love, it's a very small moment, but when they're having the caddy tournament and they show the prizes for the caddy tournament, the <laughs> fact that there's a pair of socks as the second place It was the prize. second prize. That was the thing that got, because I was almost caught off guard. And I'm like, wait a second, the socks were the second place prize. Yeah, that always kills me. It's like you get a trophy and a college scholarship for first place. The Nunzio finished one shot back, presumably, and he gets a pair of tube socks. It's a surprise. <laughs> so good. Um, also in the caddy tournament, again, Immortal. Newton, miss it. Newton, mm-hmm. Newton, miss it. That's so great. Um, that'll never die. That'll never die. They could have uh, made the caddy tournament so much more of, of a part of this movie. That's a great, great point. I think the reason they didn't is because Denunzio has a ridiculous golf swing and Danny Noonan, I guess I got to launch into it now. Danny Noonan has a legitimately beautiful, rhythmic golf swing. It is a terrific golf swing. Nick, do you think that he is a lifetime golfer based on what you saw? For sure. I looked it up because I always wondered this, and I always thought, oh, this guy's just played golf his whole life. Michael O'Keefe, the actor who played Danny Noonan, did not play golf before Caddyshack. Wow. That, is, that is very surprising because I, I know it takes greatness to recognize greatness, but I even was like, wow. As far as the – because, like, we always have this segment, Joe, about who's, like, got the best and worst golf swings, and, like – they always edit it so close and like, I what am I looking for? You know what I mean? Like, who am I to critique? And I'm like, I don't really know. You know what I mean? I always pick the guy the movie's about as the worst golfer in the movie. And I'm like, no, like Newton's swing is legitimately good for sure. And they show him making putts. They show him hitting bunker shots. And guess what? Ain't no CGI in 1980. What you see is what you get. If he's rolling in a putt. He's got that big reverse C finish. It looks oh, so natural. It's good. Big old Tom Weiskopf out there. Mm-hmm. So... Michael O'Keefe, I found this fun fact when researching the movie. Nick, are you familiar with pop star from the early 1990s, Bonnie Raitt? I don't think so. I think you are. So here are a few of her hits. Let's give them something to talk about. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I can't make you love me. I see your face. (laughs) So. You know that song. I was just anyway, going to wait and see if you're going to keep going. I was going to, but that's all I know. So <laughs> Bonnie Raitt, big old pop star from the early 90s, married Michael O'Keefe. Oof. Yes. Nice. The best part. That album, which was Bonnie Raitt's most successful. You know, she's got the red hair. She's got like the one. I'm, I'm sil- looking her up. I'm looking her up right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You recognize her. So those, those smash hits both came out in 1991. That record came out in 1991. Also happening in 1991, Body Rate married Michael O'Keefe, Danny Noonan that same year. Presumably, oh, that's her baby. Presumably, <laughs> Danny Noonan is the inspiration for two of the biggest pop songs in the last 30 years. That is a sensational information. That, that is incredible. That's, that actually is the best fact. That's great, right? It is. Give me your thoughts on Spalding. Um, he's he's a good character to have in there. I mean, he's really there for Judge Smales's for Judge Smales' character. Just really there just to show how much of a piece of shit Judge Smales really is. <laughs> but he's so, awesome. No, he's great. The small moment with Spalding that I like is at the end of the party when it's kind of winding down and there's the leftovers of drinks at everyone's table, <laughs> and Spalding starts chugging them. Wounded, wounded soldiers. Wounded soldiers. I, in my darkest days, have never done that. Have you ever done that at a party? Um, once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. When I was, yeah, when I was about his age. 
Did you ever puke in the top of a moonroof like he did? Never. By the way, moonroof or sunroof? Well, it's a, uh, well, it's a moonroof, isn't it? What's the difference? The mo- a moonroof is when it's got the, uh, it opens up, but then you have the option to, like, put the glass over it, but have, like, a, like a, like a sunlight. You can have a, from the inside, it's covered, so it's not raining on you, but you can still see out with the glass. I think the sunroof is just it's either open or it's solid on top. Does that make sense? Oh! Like the glass piece that you can see out of while it's closed is, is the difference. That's what I think. It makes enough sense to me to move on to the next topic, which is Dr. Beeper is the three-time defending club champion. My man has got a terrible swing. Shout out to Lacey, who made a great joke because the hat that he's got on, she said they should call him Dr. Beekeeper. <laughs> that got a good <laughs> chuckle at me. <laughs> but he's terrible. Three-time club champ. Are you kidding me? I don't think so, Dr. Beeper. Hey, I mean, I, I haven't seen a good player at Bushwood. I mean, Judge Smales, not good. Dr. Beekeeper, not good. Rodney Dangerfield, not good. Ty Webb shooting in the 60s, baby. He's not eventually yeah, but, but he doesn't keep score. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't compete. He's just out there having fun. When Noonan has to hit the final putt to win the match, there's a very small and perhaps the only sincere moment of the movie when Noonan is looking and the, and the camera is panning across the crowd, across all of the characters that he's encountered over this incredible summer at Bushwood Country Club, and the camera pans to the Dunzio, his greatest rival, and he just says, Noonan, you can do it. And that, it always gets me. It's like, okay, even Denunzio, like, wants him to make this putt. It's weirdly powerful. It kind of brings it all together. And I think that's the fuel that it takes to have Danny make the putt and win the match. I, well, first of all, I got two things to say about that. First of all, he didn't make the putt on his own. Oh, oh, oh. He didn't make the putt on his Wait own. Wait a minute. So it's not Wait like that, that gave him the power to make the putt because he, he left it short, baby. If it wasn't for the freaking assistant greenskeeper, Put all this TNT all over the course, blowing the whole thing up. That that ball never drops. Nick, it's Masters weekend. Are you gonna go to Tiger Woods and no. say that in two thousand five? That is. Are you gonna say that, that in ball never stopped, Joe? He didn't that ball that never stopped, shot. Joe. It doesn't. Actually, it's fun. It was fun to rewatch that this weekend. It's Masters weekend when we're doing this. But yeah, I watched the whole two thousand five round, and I'm like, oh, the ball stops, but it really doesn't. It very meticulously keeps going into the hole. Small, and it's incredible. Very small inside. I, I watched that like a week or two ago. And I I knew Tiger won that Masters, but I didn't know that shot was from that tournament. And I think he's got like a one or two stroke lead going to 16. And Ashley's like, do you think he hits the green here? And I'm like, yes, I think he hits the green here. Because it's the Sunday pin location. It's so oh, TC. Everybody's going home. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he hits the green. And then I saw he, where he hit it. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is the shot. And she was like doing something else. I'm like, hey, you should watch this. And she's like kind of paying attention. I'm like, yeah, you, you need to watch. You need to watch. You really need to watch. I'm like, look where the ball is. It's up against the cup. So it's 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 still gonna be so hard to hit the shot right here. Like, look where he's aiming. <laughs> that is my favorite thing about watching all these masters final round replays because you're always seeing the 16th pin being in that location where if you hit it on top of the hill, it's gonna roll down. It's whenever someone like hits a good shot and doesn't make an ace, I'm always like, what are you doing? Look at that <laughs> pin placement. Just got to put it on the hill and let it roll in the hole. This, this is easy, baby. Let's go. Okay. Back to yes. my other point about that putt. Please. That he, not only does he not make it, um, there needs to be something in between why his rival is all of a sudden rooting for him. There needs to be some sort of truce or some sort of respect, some sort oh. of confrontation between them that's like, okay, I don't like you, but I respect you. Something in between. You can't just be like, now all of a sudden that you're competing on the golf course, now I'm going to root for you. There needs to be a reason. There is a reason, Nick. The the tagline for Caddyshack is the slobs versus the snobs. And the snobs are being represented in full force between Judge Smales and Dr. Beeper. And the slobs are Ty Webb and now Danny Noonan and Rodney Dangerfield, who broke broke his arm also i love when he breaks his arm and he's wife waving his arm wildly i think i broke it <laughs> but i think that's why denunzio is in favor of noonan all of a sudden because 
it is clear that the class war has made its way to the 18th green at Bushwood Country Club, and there's one way to settle it with this putt right here, right now. To go off on this for a second, do you think Ty Webb partied with the caddies at all? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. He's, he's all about a good time. That's all he cares about. He is all about a good time. He does call... I've, I, I've often wondered how close he and Danny are because at the first scene of the movie, we see him calling Timmy and then Betty, which, which is fantastic. Do you take drugs, Danny? Every day. Okay, what's the problem? All that is fantastic, but I often wonder if he's actually that close to any of the caddies. Not I'm interested? Buying. No, I'm buying. I thought you had something to say. I thought you were going to go. I thought you were going to go into something. No, uh, I'm buying it. I, I feel like Ty Webb is just this chill dude, and he just wants to have fun. If you're a good, if you're a good spirit man, like you can, you can go hang out with Ty Webb. You can play some golf with him if you, you know, keep it chill and just have some fun and do your thing. No big deal. Yeah, you're probably right. Should we get into the uh, different questions that we ask? Yeah. Okay. Best golfer or worst golfer? Where do you want to start? Best golfer. I think we should start with best golfer. Um, we got the same answer, right? It's Ty Webb. Oh, oh, is it? I mean, do you casually shoot 67, 68s? No. But a couple things. I don't necessarily believe Danny Noonan is a reliable narrator. I don't think that Ty Webb actually shot 67 or 68. I think Noonan likes hanging out with Ty Webb. And I think if he embellishes his score by two or three, four or five shots, it's not going to make a difference from him getting into you know the Senate or whatever position he aspires to early on in the movie. So I think Ty Webb did not shoot in the 60s. I think Ty Webb probably hmm. shot in the low mid-70s. Um, that being said, that could still qualify him as the best player at Bushwood. Yeah, I mean, is you, what is your answer, Danny? My answer is Danny. He's yeah, got Danny a sweet swing, but what do you gorgeous. think it takes to win the, the caddy tournament? The caddy tournament? I think if you shoot 84, you're going to win the caddy tournament. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and he needed one stroke to do it, but perhaps Danny was, I don't know, on drugs, hungover, hour of sleep. It was, it was a day, so he was taking drugs. Yeah, exactly right. Um, worst golfer in this movie. I'm very curious to get your answer on this. One. This one's tough. This yeah, one, it is. A lot of candidates. I, mean, I know. Um, I'm going to say Judge Smales. <laughs> okay. I mean, he missed like a three-put putt for $1,000. And he's a cheater. And he's a cheater. Um, he, he says he never slices, but he does. Hey, he's a liar, a cheater, a bad golfer, a bad putter. Right. So I'm just not buying anything about his game. Uh, it was close between him and, and Al because um, I haven't seen Rodney Dangerfield hit a single good shot in this movie either. But um, I don't know. He's got the, He's got a keg in his bag. So I guess that kind of gives him the edge. And he's got a putter from Albert Einstein. So if I if I had to, yeah, he does make some putts. I mean, if I had to pick one of those guys to play with, I'd play with Roddy Dangerfield. Of course, my worst golfer is a Smales. It's not Judge Smales. It is <laughs> grandson of Judge Smales, Spalding Smales. Because the only time we see this young man play golf is in the background. <laughs> where Judge Smales is kicking his ball and cheating. What are rules? Improve your lies, sir. In the background, Spalding is just whipping it into the ground. Farts! <laughs> double farts! It's just yeah, double farts. <laughs> double what farts about, is a great thing to yell. What about that old couple who's... Uh, oh, I have them written down. Uh, the Haverkamp? Yeah. Mr. Haverkamp, and, yeah Haverkamp. Mrs. Haverkamp might be the worst because she finally finds her ball and she she's standing in front of this 80-yard water hazard, and she chips it five yards right, right into the thing right in front of her. She's and the like, best oh, part is, oh, what a peach. Yeah, she loves it. Woo, what a peach, hun. I got to blame Denunzio. I know he's tired. I know it's been a long day. You got to point Mrs. Haverkamp a little bit to the left. She's, she, she's not going over that pond. She's got to go around that thing. That's on Denunzio. Uh, yeah, Spalding to me is the worst golfer in the movie. So 
either way, it is a smales. Thick. So many unrealistic shots in Caddyshack. I'm going to give a, uh, a few candidates, and uh, perhaps yours is in there. So okay. we mentioned it earlier, but the entire round with Carl and the bishop is <laughs> wildly out of control. So we see the bishop put one in, and <laughs> it's like five feet past the hole, and a big wind gust blows it in. The next time we see the bishop, he is in the fairway. And he takes a full rip at it. The next shot we see is the ball going into the hole. Flagstick is pulled. Ball <laughs> goes into the hole. And then a frog jumps out of the hole. At the very end, the bishop has a putt, presumably to break the course record, which was confusing to me. Because he he's going only out. playing a nine-hole round. Exactly. He's playing a quick nine. You don't break the course record when you're playing nine. But... I never caught what he yelled after he missed the butt, but I rewound it a couple times. He misses the butt, and he yells, rat farts! And then he gets a hit by a lightning strike, and Carl runs away. Now, before we talk about the most unrealistic shot further, I have a very important question which never occurred to me, except in this most recent rewatch. Does the bishop die? Oh, yeah. He's dead. He's dead. No. They show him he's all lit up in blue, laying down lifeless on the green. Yeah, buddy. He's dead. He, he dies right there. Yes. Which I never really understood that scene. Because, as you pointed out, he says he's going out for a quick nine. They're playing in this crazy storm. He's making everything. So I'm like, great. They're, they're showing. They're illustrating that, you know, if you go and play the round of your life and then you die, like you'll die a happy man. But then, so why does he miss that last putt? Why doesn't he make it? Because then, then like, did he miss out on, like, p clearly not a course record? Is it, is it his career low for nine holes? Maybe that's what's really important to him. So I'm not sure what he's going for. And if he misses this putt, then dies, i just having a hard time putting that all together. To quote the immortal legend of Bagger Vance, golf is a game which can't be won, only played. Okay. I mean, it would just make more sense to me if he's like, if like going into that last shot, he's like, I need this putt, you know, to break 70th for the first time in my life and then makes it and then gets struck by lightning and dies. Then you'd be like, that that's all he had to do. Like his life is complete now and then it would make sense. But it's like, okay, he's playing nine holes. He was playing well. He missed his putt on the ninth hole and then he, then he died. Like what, what's going on here? Do you think he shot like 32 I mean, apparently, like he literally made everything. He must have been under par. Play. Oh, for sure. So, do you, Nick? Is your most unrealistic shot in that round or somewhere else in the movie? Because I have it somewhere else in the movie. Most unrealistic golf shot. I wrote the whole scene with the old man playing the round with his life in the storm. I love it. So, my most unrealistic shot. It's kind of a small moment, but after Danny Noonan takes over in the big match between Roddy Dangerfield, Chevy Chase. Judge Smales and Dr. Beeper. Noonan turns it on. It's all Noonan. There's much fanfare made about Ty Webb falling apart in this match. It's happening. And there's a really random moment where Ty Webb hits a seemingly good shot, goes into a tree. There's a bird there. The crow in the tree catches the ball in its beak. Not like catches it, Somehow, the ball is embedded in this crow's beak. Is that a one-shot penalty? Is the crow dead? So many questions after that. But I don't know. I've seen a lot of crows on golf courses, Nick. I've never seen one A, touch a ball, B, let alone catch one in its mouth or have it embedded into its beak. To me, that is the most unrealistic shot in the film. Yeah, that's a good call. That's probably the one. I mean— it the point you made about him holding out from the fairway and the pin being pulled, I mean, maybe a strong contender. Yeah, but Carl no. was with the bishop in the fairway. There's no way he's running down there mm -hmm. and pulling the flag out. He's smoking Bob Marley J's. He doesn't have that lung capacity. <laughs> okay, Nick, we have arrived at the moment everyone has been waiting for. It is the fifth movie 
of five in our golf movie five. So are you prepared to proclaim Caddyshack the best golf movie or is it going to be Happy Gilmore? What did you give Happy last week? Do you remember? I think I gave it a 68. I think you did too. So what are you prepared to give Caddyshack? So in my book, Caddyshack made a 15-foot downhill putt on the 18th green to shoot 73. Oh, my God! Explain yourself. Well, I mean, it really came down to um, if tonight I had to go back and rewatch one of these movies, um, would I rather watch Caddyshack again tonight or Tin Cup? And I gave Tin Cup even par, and I would rather watch Tin Cup. Oh, my God. Are you saying Tin Cup is a better movie than Caddyshack? Tin, ah! tin Cup. <laughs> I mean, Tin Cup. I, I don't know, Joe. Yeah, I'm saying it. Tin Cup shot a 72. Caddyshack shot a 73. Wow. This is um, this has been a very revealing five weeks during this golf movie podcast. I never I, – I swear, I swear to God, 24 hours ago – when I, when I hit play and started this movie, I thought for sure I was going to give it a 66. What 65. did it? What did it? I don't know. I guess it just didn't. It just didn't pull me in. I, like it, it just aged I, poorly for you or something. Yeah, I just think that while a lot of the subtleties are great and classic, and I appreciate it for that, and I love it, and I, I'm not. I would definitely recommend this movie. I definitely enjoy it. I'll watch it again. I'll watch it with my kids. All that stuff. I just think there's no story in the movie. I think it's I think it's an hour and a half of one-liners. There's no story, and I don't know I don't know when I became such a snob about stories in movies, but there's no story in it, and that was that was the difference. God, that's so interesting. I mean, when we went through all the different quotes, there's like ten that you could just pull out, and they're legendary. And I guess for Tin Cup, I mean, I can't even think of like a one memorable line other than. When Kevin Costner's like, I part out with a seven iron. You ever part with a seven iron? And Don Johnson's like, well, hell, Roy, it never occurred to me to try. Like, and that's fine. But like, I mean, you're talking what? Be the ball. Um, you know, na 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 uh, Noonan, Noonan. Just so many good things. You get a hat like that, you get a free bowl of soup. I mean, there's just everything in this movie. I'm, I'm just the old Billy Baru. I've done the old Billy Baru. By the way, real quick, why doesn't Judge Smales use Billy Baru the whole round? You're going to be making yeah, putts all day sense. long. I don't know why he's saving it. Only important putts. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. All right, Nick. The lowest score I've given so far was I gave the Happy Gilmore, I believe, a 67. I'm giving Caddyshack a clean Hold on. Clean before, you, before you say a number, yes. I think you gave Happy Gilmore a couple strokes lower than that. 65? I, it might have been a 65. Even if it is, it doesn't just make Just let you know. Just, just let you know. Okay. 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 Course, course record of Bush with a 65. I'm going to go one lower. 64 okay. for Caddyshack. I was fully prepared going into this to say, no, nah, you know what? Caddyshack hasn't aged as well. Happy Gilmore is more bang for their buck. Shooter McGavin's a better character than Judge Smales. All of which may be true. But... The four horsemen of Chevy Chase, Ted Knight as Judge Smales, Rodney Dangerfield, Danny Noonan, and the whole shenanigans that go throughout the course of this movie, that puts it over the top for me. I said something to Lace, which freaked her out. But to your point where you say, you know, this movie was made a long time ago, I would almost make the counterpoint. For this movie to be made this long ago and still have so many jokes and quotes that still have the test of time. I forgot Bill Murray in my rant. Bill Murray, Jesus Christ. To have everything still be so relevant today, here's something about Caddyshack. The release of Caddyshack, World War II was more recent to the release of Caddyshack than where we are right now in current history. That's how long ago this movie was made. And for it to still be so good and so relevant is amazing. This is a sensational movie. It's the best golf movie ever made. It's one of the best comedies ever made. It still gets a chuckle out of me at least 12 times when I watch it. 
I thoroughly enjoyed it. Just watching it a couple of hours ago with a few beers in me. It's phenomenal. I love it. 64 for Caddyshack. My best golf movie ever. Yeah, I mean, I, all those things are true. I mean, it, they are. Stands the test of time. I get it. I, I will always appreciate it. But for me, just, I don't know. I understand. I understand. Different strokes, different folks. Nick, we have made it to the 19th hole with our golf movie five. So we have can, to move on. Can I, can I ask you one follow-up question? Can't wait. Just to this whole movie review. Okay. Who's your, who's your dream foursome with all, for characters of all these movies? So you're talking people I play with. Yeah, you and, you and uh, three characters from the five movies we've reviewed. I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty straightforward. It's, okay. it's Roy McAvoy, it's Happy Gilmore, and it's Ty Webb. That's and it? Joe Simons. Yeah. Okay. Those are the four. Do, do you have a different answer for any of those? Well, I definitely want to play with, with Danny and Ty. Oh, you want sure. to play with Noonan? I do. He's a, he's a caddy, Nick. He's the best caddy there is. <laughs> Bushwood has to offer. So wait, okay, um, you're going Danny and Ty. Yeah. So who's your fourth? Maybe maybe Hagen. <laughs> That's true. You can play with Bobby Jones or Walter Hagen, and I chose Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> I would not want to play with Happy. Shooter would maybe be somewhere on the list. I'd play with Shooter before I play with Happy, except for Shooter would probably beat my ass, and that would just be an absolutely miserable four and a half hours. So, yeah, I'll take, I'll take Hagen. Who do you think Happy gets along with more? Roy McAvoy or Ty Webb? Roy McAvoy, because they're yeah, just I think both so ludicrous. Yeah. Ty Webb is just, you know, tripping out on yeah. mushrooms, like in the trees or whatever. And Roy and Happy are trying to play some golf, crush beers. <laughs> Different mindset in the 90s. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Nick, that does it for our golf movie fivesome. I don't know how things are going in your neck of the woods, but I think we're going to be under quarantine for at least another week. Um, so because we're not going to be playing golf anytime soon, do you still have some tricks up your sleeve as far as at-the-turn content? Yeah. Um, still working on a good, uh, a good, I'll say, uh, biogra- biographical episode of at-the-turn for the near future um, of a um, – a master's champion. We're gonna we're gonna give you a blow by blow through this person's uh, life and career. Danny Willett, can't wait! It's gonna be a great time. Um, so Nick, I was thinking, and uh, you know, as I'm doing now at the end of podcast, I'm spitballing out loud. Can we record our trivia night so the at the turn patrons can enjoy our trivia night as a podcast? I think we can do that. I think what we do is we we can definitely record it, and I think the, the play is when we're going through. To give the answers, that's the part we edit into a podcast, and maybe we call them like random people to be like, "Hey, what's your answer to you know this question?" We see what they say, then we give the right answer. They don't need to sit through the whole thing, but that way they get the question, they get the answer, you know, they get they get a little banter. I love it. We're just all looking for some trivia fun, something to do in these uncertain times. Well, again, that does it for our golf movie five some. If you want to join us for Trivia Night, we are recording this on the evening of April the 12th. If I am a good boy, this will be posted very shortly after this conversation. That way you can enjoy it. And if you're interested in signing up for the At The Turn Trivia Night, again, DM us on Twitter, at The Turn Pod. That's two T's, is it not, Nick? Yeah. At (laughs) The Turn we're not we're not a, love- we're not a taco truck chain where we're just saying you know at the turn i love it's it's great to have a dear friend like nick who you've known for a long time where you 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 wind up to say something and the response is just yeah but what you're actually saying is yeah motherfucker you're just nice enough where you're leaving off the end of it which i appreciate well, it's, it's, it's like one of those questions that seems like a trick question nick spell at the turn for me i'm like those at and the are 
There's a T in each of those uh, words. Like, like, am, I missing, am I missing something here? Like, should there not be two? Have I been spelling it wrong this whole time? Like, what's going on? Speaking of at the turn, use that code at checkout for Precision Pro. Get yourself a rangefinder. Golf season is going to be here at some point. They're playing the Masters in November, allegedly, which, Nick, I want to talk about. That means potentially two green jackets given out within the span of six months. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible. That does it. We're done. We'll see you very soon. Join us for Trivia Night. And, um, yeah, we love you all. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn.